Hi everyone, I'm Elaine Vargas, founder and creator of Life Against the Current. In this podcast, you'll hear stories and truths of incredible people who have gone against the current of traditions, societal norms, opinions of family and friends, or even a boss's suggestion in order to achieve their goal. Unfortunately, there isn't a guidebook for all of our nonlinear decisions, but there is this podcast to acknowledge and empower you to do things you want to achieve, regardless of how unconventional it may seem to others or maybe even to you. Okay, everyone, I'm totally head over heels excited about having this guest on the podcast. But before I introduce her, let me share with you the quick story of the time we literally crossed paths. Ever since I moved to Washington last year, I've attended this awesome digital marketing summit here in Seattle. During a break in between sessions at this year's event, a very nice lady approached me and asked me if I could take a photo of her with Jeff the Alien. He's part of the show. He travels, basically, he travels with the event. (laughs) So after I took a few photos, we each went our own way since it was time to go to the next session. To my surprise, the speaker who came onto the stage of that session was Quinn Tempest, the lady I took the photo for. I thought, what a small world. Obviously, I connected with her on Instagram and Twitter. Okay, Quinn, I'm about to let you take over the mic. So why don't you share with us the events that led us up to recording today? Yes, and thank you so much for telling that fun little story too, because I remember that and I remember you being so friendly and you got a really good photo. So uh, I appreciate it. And that was definitely a great day. But I guess we crossed paths again Mm -hmm. just recently, about a week ago, digitally on Instagram, I had made a post with a fun fact about myself, which was, if I remember correctly, that I minored in classical civilizations in college. Yeah. So I shared that and you commented because I had asked in my caption, please share something about you. I'd love to get to know you guys more. And so you commented telling me that you have this podcast, you told me what it was about. And I said, how cool is that? And then you said, actually, would you mind coming on and being a guest? So (laughs) that was our little social connection. And I'm thankful for it and for Instagram, because honestly, my life has become so much more connected since I really started putting myself out there on this platform. And I'm thankful for opportunities like this, just to connect and talk with people that really resonate with my perspective on life as well. Absolutely. Like I always try to mention on the podcast, the power of social media. So really, again, I'm going to say, yes, social media could have a little bit of bad intentions, but it is how you use it. So, you know, us and I'm getting a little ahead, but we in the digital marketing realm truly take the eyes of social media as a powerful marketing tool, not only for our brands, but also for us. But again, I got a little ahead. So, all right. I'm sure you are all waiting impatiently to hear Quinn share her story as I am. So Quinn, what is your life against the current story? 
Oh, well, it's been a long journey to get to where I am now and definitely an uphill journey. And I love your name against the current. Mm -hmm. Now I am an entrepreneur. I've had my own business for, I think, eight years now. And really, I feel really fulfilled. I feel very empowered and excited about what I do every day. But it definitely didn't start out that way. So I actually went to school. My major, not my minor, my major in college was theater. So I actually studied acting, specifically theater acting, which is a very different discipline than film and TV acting. Hmm. And it was very much about the physicality, you know, your voice, your movement, uh, and filling a whole room and filling a space. So obviously, you've seen me speak in person. So thankfully, mm-hmm. those skills have translated over to my career now, even though I'm not doing acting, I'm still very much using that skill set in my job. And so about a month or two after college, I kind of sat there thinking, you know what, I don't really want to do this professionally. And that was a really scary moment because acting had really been the only thing I had wanted to do my whole life. What triggered that thought, if you don't mind me asking? I think it was partly due to money and freaking out because Mm. most of my friends, you know, who had already graduated or were in the LA scene, because that's where I was living, were waitresses or doing these little side hustles and little jobs here and there. And that kind of freaked me out not to have stable income, to be honest, and just having to be at the whim of auditions here, a job here. And I also had this crazy experience just right before I graduated from school where I was a lead role in a play and the director was so darn intense and honestly sometimes brutal towards me. And I will say he got like the best performance out of me that I've ever given, but it was so exhausting and I... I thought to myself, do I really want to put myself out there that much all the mm-hmm. time? Is acting really for me if it's always going to be like that? Mm-hmm. And of course, it's not always going to be like that. But I think combined with that experience and then having to be completely on my own for the first time, it just brought me to this place of like, you know, I just don't know if I want to do this. So I ended up taking really the first job that came my way. I only went on one interview And it was just for a low-paid internship at a marketing agency. And they did events. So I had done events and catering and all this kind of fun stuff when I lived in London because I had actually studied there for a while for acting. So I had event experience. But this was like a whole different level, especially living in L.A., And so I started basically getting my hands in every single bucket of this business, you know, producing large scale events, campaigns. We even did these like crazy casino parties at the Playboy Mansion, which I I never thought that'd come out of my mouth. (laughs) I've been there multiple times and have hung out with many celebrities there. And it was a very weird experience, (laughs) (laughs) but it was fun nonetheless. So After a while, I got just so into this job, and I think it was a lot of because I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, I had left college thinking I was going to be an actor, and then immediately that desire went away. And so I kind of just took whatever came to me, and I didn't really have a direction. And so what that ended up doing was burning me out, to be Mm -hmm. honest. And I, 
I, it was such a tough time because I was working nonstop. I was going to these crazy parties and, you know, there's a lot of alcohol there. There's a mm -hmm. lot of food and I just wasn't taking care of myself. I was drinking a little too much and getting in my car and it was just not a good, healthy time for me. And I actually ended up in the hospital uh, with a severe case of exhaustion, otherwise known as mono, which yes, I kissed a lot of boys, but <laughs> it was also due to just how much I was overworking yeah. myself, you know, barely sleeping, not eating well, drinking, driving all over the city in traffic. Oh gosh, it was just awful. And so I ended up in the hospital and just got wiped out. But even that, which is crazy thinking back on it, I looked at my timeline today because I actually wrote out, okay, when did all this stuff happen? No. And I realized that even a month after I got out of the hospital, I accepted a full-time position at this job. I had only been part-time. And so I was still recovering and I was like, yeah, I'll work full-time and make more of a mess of myself. But did you like it though? I did. You know, I was... It was a small company, so I had a lot of responsibility. I had a lot of power as well, yeah. and I was learning so much. You know, like I didn't know anything about marketing before stepping into this position, and I realized I was really good at it, and I realized I was actually very good at sales, mm. which ended up kind of pushing me to the next step and the next promotion and having a team under me that I was you know, kind of taking care of and managing and I was getting these big deals. And I think the thing was, I was good at it. Yeah. And I, I liked that feeling. And, and, you know, my boss at the time, she was good at it too. And I kind of wanted to act like her. Sometimes I talked like her, sometimes I dressed like her. And I was just trying on different identities at the time. And I think the problem was that I never stopped to ask myself, you know, what do I want? Right. What do I want to do? Is this is this it? Is there a deeper impact that I'm making? Is there a deeper reason that I'm doing all of this and sacrificing my health for all of this? Do you think that this job didn't allow you to ask these questions because, you know, you, you realize that you didn't want to do theater anymore. And then right after that, you jumped into this job. Do you think that it had an impact to kind of block those thoughts of what you wanted? Oh, absolutely. And I think it was because I was acting out of fear, you know, I was acting mm -hmm. out of, okay, how am I going to pay my rent? And obviously these are like normal right. <laughs> college things, but I was really like, that was a huge motivator for me was how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to just be an adult? And I just pushed and pushed and pushed until I realized only later that I never had any boundaries. You know, I didn't know where my job ended and where I began. I was just one with everything that I was doing. And so I never had the chance to cultivate space to reflect on these bigger questions. And that's really what led me to, you know, the burnout. But then even for a year after that, I kept doing it until I got to a point and I have this moment that I still remember vividly. And I was on a bike. I'd started biking a little bit just to kind of get out, start moving more. And I was on the bike going up a curb. And if anyone's a bicyclist listening to this, or if you're experienced with biking lane, you know that you cannot take your wheel parallel to the curb. You need to go perpendicular. Otherwise, you're mm. going to eat it hard. Mm. <laughs> so I ate it. Uh, very hard. 
And I remember falling and like my bike kind of fell on me. I smacked my leg really hard on the concrete. I got up and I literally didn't feel anything. Wow. Like I, yeah, I didn't feel like a rush of adrenaline. I didn't start crying, which was my normal MO and still is. I didn't even really feel the pain. And although I started to see a bruise right away. And I think that was the moment where I was like, oh my God, like I don't even feel myself anymore. And I think I only learned later that there's actual term for this. It's called disassociation. Disassociation where you're disassociated from your body, your mind, your body are not connected. And I didn't know it at the time, but that's what I was experiencing. Almost like your head's kind of five feet outside your head and you're kind of looking at yourself. And it's just this very, very weird space. And I think that was finally... You know, even after the hospitalization, even after a year of all this stuff, that was finally the moment that I was like, I can't do this anymore. What did I get myself into? And that was really when everything changed. So what did you do after that? Pretty quickly after that, I I think I just started exploring the idea of moving away from LA because I was physically not well. I was mentally yeah. not there. And the job just completely had my identity sucked in, wrapped into it. So I remember asking a friend, a close friend, I was like, you know, what do you think about me moving home? And she's like, you know, I think that might be a good idea. We'd hate to lose you from living here and living so close, but it might be time. And I think that and just knowing I needed to heal and recover was the push that got me to leave. And of course it took me a few months because I needed to be logical about it. I needed to save up. I needed to make sure that I was going to get my commission checks. And you know, that's always the hardest time when you've made the decision, but you can't actually take action yet. That's always the hardest, like little middle ground period where you really just have to suck it up and know that you're going to have a better experience in the future. So I packed everything up. I, my parents came over. They're so sweet. They helped me move all the way back to Arizona. And of course, I was like 20, I don't know, maybe 22, 23. And I moved back in with my parents, which was like <laughs> not at all what I envisioned for my life if I ever even had a vision. So yeah, I ended up back here in Phoenix and that's where I am now. A lot of people think that what you did would be considered, quote unquote, unsuccessful and a failure. And then I've actually had conversations with people that sometimes what may look like to you that you're taking 10 steps back, you're actually taking five steps forward and strong forward steps. So how can you describe that? How does Quinn see those three steps, quote unquote, going back and then the five steps going forward? Well, I think this always reminds me of a quote by Steve Jobs. He says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can Mm. only connect them looking backwards. And of course, at the time, I felt like I was the biggest failure. You know, I completely gave up my life, my friends, my work, everything that I had built over, you know, six, seven years of living in LA. And then I moved to a city that I hated. Like, I hated growing up in Phoenix. Like, I couldn't wait really? to get out of here. Yeah. I mean, that is not how it is now. If you know me, I'm a, yeah, the, you, the biggest I, advocate. But yeah, no, I hated it here. There was nothing for me. And So combined with that and having to move in with my parents, like 
it was probably, it, it was the biggest failure of my life at the time. Right. But, you know, now I think it's the biggest success of my life to know how far of a rabbit hole I went down and to see how much I got out of that. And I did it all by the skin of my own teeth. It was all my own gray. Of course, I had a support system. Of course, I had help. But the biggest moment of me living life against the current was to fall so far down, but then to lift myself back up again and to answer questions like, what impact do I want to make in my life? What is the deeper why that drives me? And then also to answer those and build it, to make it happen, to create my purpose and to realize what that vision is in my life. So, you know, I started out saying, I feel very empowered now. I feel very fulfilled. And I think that's because for the past eight years since that happened, I've led my life very intentionally. I said, I don't want to go back to that person I was or that shell of a person I was. I want to be intentional about how I'm going to live my life. And that experience was the main key experience that taught me that lesson. What does it mean for those that are listening and don't necessarily know? Because, you know, the demographic that I have on this podcast goes from like 1920 all the way to like, I just interviewed a dad. So for those youngsters like me and, and younger, what does it mean to live a life intentionally? Like what questions, you covered a couple of questions about what you asked yourself, but what else can we do to live intentionally? It's hard when you're younger to know where the dots are going to go. So don't worry so much about laying out the dots perfectly. Just worry about the experience that you're in and infuse a sense of mindfulness into everything that you do. It's kind of that, that quiet, observant mindset that you kind of have to look at yourself objectively or the experiences you're in or the people you're in relationships with and just keep asking yourself the question, you know, does this serve me? What is my deeper purpose? What makes me get lit up? What makes me excited? What makes me feel depressed or feel dejected? And I think it's just the constant questioning and mindfulness that we need to start integrating from a very young age. And to be honest, I wish I had that. I wish I had that voice in the back of my head, just observing things a little bit more so that I could start to kind of course correct when the warning signs would pop up. But in the state that I was in, I didn't have that space to see the signs. I didn't know that I wasn't sleeping enough. I didn't know that I was working too much. I didn't know when I was being taken advantage of at work or in relationships. And I think that is my biggest, you know, insight for younger people is just to cultivate some sense of mindfulness of what different experiences are providing to you in your life. And then that is really the tool that you can use to reflect on all the dots that you've laid. Mm -hmm. And eventually when you can reflect with intention, you can start to connect the dots. And then that's where you start really, really feeling the power is when you get to say, okay, 
I know where I've come from. I know where I am. And now this is my vision for the future. I know where the dots led me. And now I'm going to decide where I'm going to take those dots moving forward. That's empowerment. That's fulfillment. That is creating your own purpose and your own meaning for your life. I love this. I love this, Quinn. So (laughs) we are in Arizona. You're asking yourself these very important questions. Did some of the answers scare you? Oh, I think a lot scared me that year. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things I didn't mention was the first thing I did when I came home was to start going to yoga. And it had been the one thing that kind of made me feel human again or made me feel at all again. Mm -hmm. I started going to a few studios around town and I decided, you know what? I am not ready to take a job. I am, I don't even know if I want to ever take a job again. (laughs) And so I thankfully had saved up enough money. So I enrolled in a yoga teacher training program for a year And it was a year-long program, very intense. And so that was kind of the environment I was in already asking these questions. And just that experience became so much more transformational because of the practice of mindfulness that I learned in yoga. And so at, at the same time, I was kind of healing my body. I was asking these big questions. And I was also thinking about, you know, what do I want to do for work? And that's when my business was born. But gosh... To answer your question, yeah, everything scared me. I mean, on a visceral, physical level, I have never cried that much in my life, except in that year, just heaving cries of just like, what did I do? What am I doing? Do I even matter? You know, that was a big thing. I'm just like, do I even matter to anyone? Do I matter to myself? And I think that was a lot of depression speaking, but I think I came out of that year realizing you know, I'm going to matter. I'm going to make myself matter, not for anyone else, but just for myself. And I'm going to answer these questions and deal with what arises from those questions and keep moving forward with what I find. That is so true. It's it's so hard. And mind you, a little bit about me. I moved across the country from Miami, Florida last year, and I have been through the biggest emotional, spiritual, physical, mental growth sprout that I have ever encountered being here. I moved here by myself, all alone, just packed my bags and got a job that for the lack of better words failed me. And now I'm in a, like in that, your position in a fulfilling, very right. happy place. But the price that I have paid to be here, like literal, actual and figuratively, it's so high. That really has been taking the toll sometimes. And I ask myself those questions too. And it's hard because, you know, you know, you yourself are the only one that can pull yourself out of these holes. For sure. And it takes a lot of strength, like not only physically, but mentally, emotionally, everything that you can possibly have. Every single cell in your body is helping you come out of that hole. And of course, like you said, your support system and your friends and your family and your significant others. But I think, 
you know, when we do transitional changes like this, it's important to be true to ourselves and also know ourselves. So we know our failures, like you said, you know, what makes us sad, what makes us happy. That's going to be able to get us far and far and far as we go. Yeah. And, you know, I think one thing that came to mind as you spoke is that you and I both have had very intense transformational experiences in Mm -hmm. our life. And I think that doesn't necessarily have to be everyone's course to empowerment and fulfillment by any means. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes it can be a real motivator to kind of kick us in the butt and get us to go. But I definitely know other people who haven't needed to fall down the rabbit hole and pull themselves back up who are able to tap into these questions. But it does seem like more often than not, the people that I do connect with have some type of disconnect in their life that has caused them to fall down and pull themselves back up. So there's something to be said that it doesn't have to be depressing for everyone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> like you can still ask these questions, even if you haven't had these huge painful experiences, it, it doesn't make our pain doesn't make us more empowered. You know, it just absolutely helps, helps yeah. define what we do next. Quinn, you've asked yourself those questions. Mm-hmm. What's next? You know, what was next was I started my own business and it was really just because I knew I couldn't be in an environment that I had been in. I needed to have boundaries for myself. I needed to define what mattered to me. And at the time, I had enough of a skill set from that job in marketing and sales to say, okay, let me just try this out. So for that year, when I was in my training, I just dabbled. I took a couple of little design courses online because I had always loved graphic design. I also knew I was really good at marketing. So I basically said to myself, what could I do that combines design and marketing? A lot. A lot, right? (laughs) Yeah, but I, I was an actor. I didn't really know. So I ended up getting my first client in a coffee shop, a coffee bean to be exact. And he was on the phone. I could tell he was like looking for a pen to kind of write something down. And I happened to have one. So I said, hey, hey, do you need a pen? He took it. When he was done with his call, he came over to me. We started talking. And he was like, oh, well, what are you here doing? And I said, oh, I'm working on a a design. And I think at the time I was like working on my own blog design. (laughs) And he's like, oh, are you a designer? Could, you know, I need some help on some products. Would you help me? And I said, oh, you know, sure. Kind of totally faking it until I no made it. No way. Yeah. And he was like, what's your hourly rate? And thankfully, no I had happened to have a, a conversation with my cousin who's in marketing. And he had just recently told me he hired a designer for a, a specific hourly rate. So I literally just like threw it <laughs> out there. And I was like, oh, this much an hour. And he's like, oh, great. Well, why don't you email me and, you know, let's get something going. So he became my first client. And then I started just kind of bolstering my confidence in design and got a few other clients in coffee shops. What a story. Yeah, if anyone's looking to start their business, just come to some cafes in Phoenix. (laughs) And it's a great way to have no overhead and start a client base. So yeah, so that year I just started exploring what that could look like for me and playing around with it. So by the time I was done with my yoga program, I was about part-time with my business. And that was about seven years ago. And obviously since then, it's morphed and changed. And 
become even more intentional. But at the beginning, it was really just kind of born out of this need to not be in a job and a need to be creative and tap into something that made me feel excited again. And then it kind of grew from there. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. I want to touch up on the subject of networking. Yeah. Because networking is crucial and it's needed. You need to get out there. Like, honestly, like I literally was just walking down and then Quinn just grabs me. She's like, hey, can you take a photo? And I'm like, sure. And then all of a sudden I see you, you know, in the stage and it's being able to connect also digitally because now that is where it is at. So LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, I actually just got uh, on Twitter recently and I realized that it's such a powerful social media platform. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I really truly want to encourage you if you're listening to this, if you're in a limbo of not really sure what to do, or if you are, but you're kind of second guessing into reaching out someone that could possibly your, be your mentor, do it. I'm sure Quinn can go on a, on a quick story of how mentorship or possibly even networking has helped her. Connection is everything. And I wouldn't say I'm like the best networker out there. I'm more of the person who might end up talking to like two or three people at an event, but then they become really, really deep conversations Mm -hmm. and great connections. So I, I have a style that's all my own. And I think that's really the crux of it is to understand what you feel comfortable doing and to also understand who you are and, you know, what style works best for you. And when it comes to digital networking, you know, you should really just treat it like you would a real human relationship. It should really be no different mm-hmm. online. Of course, the tools are different. You know, in person, it's a handshake. In Instagram, it's a DM and a like. <laughs> but, you know, these are all different ways of reaching out to people that we think would be interested in us and vice versa. And I cannot tell you how powerful it can be. I mean, my whole business of the past two years has been built on the connections from Instagram. Almost all my clients have come from Instagram and I'm about to launch a new community in the fall, a membership community. And most every one of those people on my wait list found me or I found them through this platform. So one of the biggest caveats I'll give you is that a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, people using social media with a purpose, they get in their own way a lot. And it doesn't help them out any. They hold themselves back because they're either afraid of oversharing, they're afraid of not sharing Mm -hmm. too much, which isn't usually the problem. And they're just afraid of, you know, putting themselves out there for people to pick apart. And so thankfully, I think my speaking experience and my acting experience has helped me kind of move past that a little bit quicker than a lot of people Um, but I think if you just remember, you know, what is your purpose and what is your intention with what you're doing on social media and let that be the guide, Mm -hmm. then it's going to not feel as much of a pain point when you get feedback or criticism or, or whatever, you just let that purpose do its work and let that help you express yourself. And you just have to get out of your own way most of the time. The only thing I would add to the story is kind of what's happened after the start of my business. And I think, you know, one of the biggest parts of that was for five years, I had a big client that was half my time and 
half my income. So that was a, a lot, a lot of work. And that also gave me all the skills of creating a marketing platform from scratch. And so I let them go about two years ago because I really got to this pivot point of either I need to take a full-time position with this client and really sink into this role right. or I need to create something for myself. Obviously, I chose the latter because I've been an entrepreneur at heart my whole life. And so the past two years have really been about taking all the pieces, all the dots that we've been talking about and mm -hmm. pulling them together into a cohesive vision, not just for my business, but for my life as well. And so since I left them, it's been reflecting on my past. It's been clarifying what that vision is. It's been creating a plan and a strategy to get it and then building all the blocks that I need to bring it to life. And then the last part is really aligning my energy, my focus with everything that I want to do. And so I'm kind of in the, in the next two weeks on the verge of finally realizing and bringing some of this to fruition. And I'm so excited Woo! because I'm, I'm taking the next step in, in bringing my purpose to life or as I call it, and as I now have a trademark for create your purpose. So, Very awesome. Yeah. So I just got create your purpose as my trademark and I'm starting a create your purpose collective, which is a membership community of purpose-driven entrepreneurs. And then I'm really just stepping into this new phase of business that feels the most aligned with who I am, the most intentional that I've ever been, and really the most purposeful as well. So kind of that's where the journey has taken me against the current. And I think now to play off the name of your podcast, <laughs> I'm just, I'm directing the current as well as just flowing with it at the same time. I love it. And congratulations. Best Thank of luck. You. Best of wishes. I <laughs> love being a follower on your Instagram. Oh, good. <laughs> your feed is amazing. And I truly love how you really engage with everyone. And I, I think <laughs> it's so important. And, and you do it, you know, you try your best. But I think that is so important because you really, truly know what you can get out of it. So. Yes. That is awesome. Uh, one more thing before I ask you the questions, and this is actually a personal question. How do you deal with public speaking? Because oh. you do a hell of a job. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, she's amazing. I loved your Instagram session. I loved it. So oh, how do you, you deal with, with the butterflies right before getting on stage? Because there was like, what, like 300, 400 people? Yeah, you know, I don't get butterflies anymore uh, just because I've done it so much. And I also come from that theater background. Yeah. So my, I'm the only butterflies I get is just a little anxiety around content and just getting it right. Um, but when I get up there, I usually forget that and just keep it loose and keep it fun. So I think there's two things when it comes to public speaking. The first is stage presence. And the second is content. Oftentimes, people will have really good content, but no one cares because their stage presence is shit. Mm. And they just don't care about their delivery. They don't get excited about it. 
that's more of the the scenario I see. There could be some people that are just really funny, really outgoing, and just like you want to listen to them, but their content's kind of thin. Yeah. That happens once in a while, but I think more it's the first scenario. So you want to kind of focus on both those things if you're considering speaking or honestly, anyone should develop these skill sets. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how people treat you so differently when you have the skill of connecting words together into a cohesive sentence. It's like this magic superpower for some reason. So yeah, focus on stage presence delivery, which really is all about getting comfortable in your body, being working your vocal range, you know, and really filling the room with your energy. And then the second one is to really focus on the content structure of what you're delivering. I see a lot of people either keep it too high level, too inspirational, mm. and then all of some people just focus on tactics. My approach is really in the middle. It's about what is the bigger idea I'm trying to teach? How can I emotionally convey the importance of that? And then how can I give people action steps so that they know what they can do right when they leave the room? So those are my two things is to focus on content and then focus on delivery. And that combination really makes the best speakers. I love it. I'm actually going to take note of these questions that you just oh, good. said. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Quinn. So from this journey of yours, though, what road sign or tool do you wish you had seen or had that maybe could have helped your pave your road a little bit better? I think mindfulness. You know, we touched on that earlier, but I, I really think that is an element that's so prevalent in my life now that was so completely absent for so long. And I think I wish I had had that sense of observing and mindfulness mm -hmm. back then. Um, although, you know, at the same time, I'm kind of happy I went through that experience because it, it brought me to where I am. But I think if I were to say anything, it would be that. And also just for anyone listening who's younger and still on their journey to figuring things out is just to cultivate a sense of mindfulness um, and checking in on yourself ever so often. Very, very important. I love it. So what's one directional sign you leave behind for someone possibly getting ready to embark on a journey like yours or maybe is on a journey like yours? Yeah, I think it really comes down to purpose. You know, that's really my word lately is just to be curious about the deeper dimension of your life and what drives you, not just in your work, but in your life. You know, when I came up with my purpose, it's a very simple phrase. It's I help people bring their ideas to life. That's all it is, but it's almost like a mantra that repeats in the back of my mind. And every time an opportunity arises, I hold it up kind of next to my purpose and I say, does this help me bring my purpose to life or does it move me further away from it? If it does, I go after it. If it doesn't, I say, kindly move along. Mm -hmm. So I think the more that anyone can get clear on why they're doing what they're doing, the more that why can inform and drive their what, if that makes sense. Their Absolutely. purpose can drive what opportunities they pursue or what they don't. And that, I think, is the difference between someone who is frazzled and aimless and someone who is empowered and purposeful. Yay, Quinn. Thank you so much for being on this episode of Life Against the Current. I gained so much insight from it, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. 
I'm so glad. And thank you for hosting these kind of conversations. We need more of it in the world. So I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of Life Against the Current. Remember, it's totally okay to do things and think against the current. Do you have an unconventional story or topic you'd like to share with us? Send us a message via our Instagram at Life Against the Current. Please do not forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, and let others know why you listen to LATC by reviewing us and spreading the word. We would really appreciate the gesture. See you in two weeks. Signing out, Elaine.